This is Pod Populi, podcast for the people. Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. I have the honor of having a guest back on my show to talk about healthy eating and what I like to call eating to nourish your body so that we can grow and develop. Maureen Pasanic is the Chief Executive Officer and Founder of Pasanic Partners, LLC, which is a nutrition consulting firm serving early childhood and K-12 food service programs. She currently supports over 40 school districts in Northeastern Ohio and has the opportunity to create and implement strategic improvement plans for meal service programs. So thank you again oh my for gosh, coming so back. Excited. Thank you for having me. Well, I always enjoy working with you. If you've listened to our podcast in the past, Maureen and I have a long history. We've known each other for quite some time when she was working for Hudson City School District. And it's kind of a funny story because I remember being a lunch mom Mm -hmm. and one of the other moms was like, hey, we've got to get you, you know, involved in some of the parent organizations. And I literally felt like I had nothing to offer until they said, well, we have this wellness committee and that's where we met. One of my challenges as a pediatrician, and I know as a big challenge for families, and and it can be because of picky eating or allergies, you know, that's a um, a topic that is really trending and something I talk about a lot is really how do we encourage our families to eat healthy and to nourish, as I mentioned before, in today's society when kids are feeling either left out because they have allergies or they've just found themselves down a path where they eat the same things every day. Yes, you you bring up such a great point. And so today I join you with my mom hat on. Um, so I'm always, you know, in for the schools. You know, there's not ego in my menu writing. It's not nutritionalist kids eat it. And that's in the cafeteria line, but most certainly at home, right? And so raising my girls, um, it really it really has become a passion of mine to, you know, be authentic in the process of engaging kids in becoming, um, you know, choice architecture is the term I use. And it's creating opportunities for them to feel involved in sometimes the cooking process. We love that little kids in the kitchen that see, you know, it's almost like the whole idea of farm to table, seeing a seed grow into something you can pick and eat. Think about choice architecture as helping create a meal and then understanding how it was made with care and love and spices and different fun things. And then being able to choose from that buffet of choices, like a family style, envision that, or, you know, I often call it the chipotleization, like a little chipotle <laughs> bar at home where you have choices. And so all the choices are good. So we don't label food bad or good. And we also don't say you have to eat so much, but we offer this bounty of options. And I like to see those options be colorful 
include a lot of texture. So we get good nutrition, like high fiber foods, lower fat, and, and certainly lower sodium heart healthy foods. But certainly you can do that by having a pizza bar at home. You could have a taco bar, you could have a pasta bar, and you can allow your even smallest uh, child in your home to be a part of that process from start to finish. What we understand about behavioral economics is that when a child is involved at that level and they select it, they're more likely to eat mindfully and moderate both the volume and the variety and are more willing to swallow what they pick, right? So if you're curious about a picky eater and you want to understand what's making them picky, helping them see the creation of that food and then have some choice in how much of it they eat begins to open doors in their mind, I believe, that the food is good, it is nourishing, it's your word. You know, it's, I like this, I put care into making it and and my family likes it, I'm proud of that. And oh, by the way, I tasted a bite of it and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, everybody, you know, it's almost like going somewhere and being able to fill up your own grocery cart versus showing up and somebody giving you a, a, a grocery cart and saying, here's your groceries, make something with it. So it, it just brings that level of, I call our, our, even our youngest kids, our savvy consumers, they have a lot of opinion. (laughs) They see a lot in the world. Um, And quite frankly, you all know we're, a lot of us are busy working parents. They see it when they go to places like fast casual dining. You know, we don't, you know, hang our hats or endorse any, but, you know, Chipotle style, you know, core eateries, things that present in a lot of choice and option and allow customization tend to be healthier when you think about nourishing because your whole family can be involved in that experience and self-select something. Say I'm a a, a teenager that wants to be vegan, but my family is pescatarian. So you go to some place that you can get fish and I can get a bean dish. So that's the same kind of concept you think about at the, the, the dinner table. How can I customize this to think about our own little eating experience, dining experience um, at home. Um, and I know that sounds like it takes a lot of time, but you know, I think there are ways to, to meal prep or make it special on a weekend day where you might have a little more time and then save some of that for the next day or the, the weeknight that you might be crunched with sports activities or, or other things. You know, so making a realistic plan, but also engaging in whatever value of of providing that amount of choice. I think that is just a brilliant way. It's actually a a theory in psychology called behavioral economics. It's people see choice and they value choice and they are more encouraged in a lot of ways to consume not only food, you know, it's, it's the same thing. Like, why did I buy that, you know, thing of Tic Tacs in the Cosmo magazine at the, <laughs> at the grocery store? It's because behavioral economics, I'm standing here, I'm looking around and it's like an opportunity, but I get choice, right? So there's, you know, I'm not a psychologist by nature, but boy, sure, have I learned a lot about that theory. Um, you know, technically for schools, it's called the smarter lunchroom theory, but I would go out on a limb on any day and say it's, it's a smarter kitchen in my house theory right now that I practice. Yes, so much is going through my mind right now because you touched on many points. One thing that I hear from parents, and I remember really this being challenging for me when the kids were home and we were making meals, is sometimes I would make two meals Uh or I would make... You know, I or Gabe would just end up having cereal. Sorry, Gabe, I'm throwing you <laughs> under the bus. And what I love about the choice economics or choice architecture is what you said, is that number one, you don't have to make 
two different things. You know, you're making a variety which the kids get to choose. I also would say, because I'm picturing it literally in my mind, mm-hmm. like I'm picturing a family and there's, you know, they're building either their pizza or maybe a uh, pasta bar or something like that. And then I'm seeing the child who's picky kind of observe the modeling that's going on with another sibling, the parents, you know, friends if they're invited. And then maybe not the first couple times, but maybe after a few times, they might be putting the broccoli on their plate and giving it a try. So right that right there, you know, not being, you know, when you said it could take a little more time, but actually it probably saves time when you think about really trying to feed the whole family. So that's a wonderful idea. Another thought too came to my mind was that, you know, we always hear about Taco Tuesday. And I remember when I was growing up, we kind of had predictable nights. Like we always had spaghetti or some sort of pasta on Friday, and then we would, or fish, and then spaghetti on Saturday, and then chicken and pilaf on Sundays, you know. So you could even make it easier on yourself to say, you know, have a routine, maybe two or three nights out of the week and say, okay, we've got Taco Tuesday and then pizza bar this day. And this way kids also know to expect and they really, they thrive on that routine as well. Absolutely. I love those ideas. And I do think the other piece about, you know, quick time-saving efforts, you know, busy working mom, thinking about making creative dinners, that also becomes, you know, of course, I want to see all your beautiful babies in our lunch lines. But when you're packing lunches, when you have a bar concept for dinner and, and you have a nice, you know, to lunch box, that's a good thing for food prep for the next day. So talk about time saving. So now you've had this choice bar, your family's enjoying it. They're trying different things. You see that modeling. Somebody might try something. Oh, by the way, did you notice we roasted the broccoli in the oven this time as opposed to steamed it? And did you like it that way or this way? And you you have conversations about food acceptability at, at the table. And it's really awesome mentoring and modeling. You, you, you hit a great point in, in that it takes sometimes 21 repetitions before somebody will put that little green thing past their tongue, you know? (laughs) Um, But at the same time, I think it has a lot to do with, you know, thinking about what makes the food um, exciting for them. You know, I I know people go, oh God, kids will put ranch on everything. But if it is some sort of creative Greek yogurt dip that they, they are excited about or a sauce or a flavor bonus that's not all the way on, but they can put a little bit on and try it. You know, there are lots of ways to create those experiences, those conversations. And then as a busy working mom, capitalize, right? Ooh, that worked well this time. Maybe they'll like it this way for this dinner. Um, And then again, using those meal times to be able to prep for the next day or have meal prep for the busy night, I think is just a really, you hit the nail on the head. It doesn't have to become more you know, hard or, or harder or more time consuming, it would be actually liberating, right? Yeah. So you find a couple of days that really work and then you have the leftovers and the packing the lunches and you're golden, right? And I, we'll, we'll do chicken sometimes and then it it's roasted chicken and then, and then I shred it up and we have like chicken tacos, mm-hmm. you know? And so there is some, there is, I definitely always make a little bit more. I'm learning that. Like I was talking to somebody the other day in my family growing up and we, we didn't plan. I mean, I guess in a way, the way I described my family and how they ate, I guess in a way they did plan, Mm -hmm. but it's, 
I don't want that to be a stress for people either, but it doesn't have to be. Right. Sometimes, even if it's just to plan and grocery shop, but you still cook it that day, mm-hmm. that's perfectly fine. Absolutely. And some days it's going to be easier than others and give yourself a break, you know, but if you have the staples, then it's a little bit easier if you can at least plan the grocery store. The mindfulness too, you mentioned, and I want to talk a little bit about that. I had the opportunity at a conference to go to what they called a mindful breakfast. And it was super cool because the moderator guide, like did a guided meditation. And she talked about like visualize, like planting the food and visualize then, you know, harvesting it or picking it, even if we're just talking about an apple, you know, you visualize the apple on the tree and then you pick the apple and you wash it and then you slice it when you think. And and so it's kind of cool if you talk to kids about that. So like you said, they kind of buy in because they really, they realize where it's coming from and then talk about how it helps, helps their body. Because before we even started and we were talking about our children, we know body image is a big deal. Absolutely. And so when I talk about nourishing your body and drinking water and getting plenty of sleep, I'll mention to my teenagers, you know, your hair will look shinier, your skin will be, you know, a little bit brighter and cleaner and 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 everything. And um, and so realistically, getting these habits going in the beginning and then, you know, letting them roll through the years, it it all kind of comes to fruition where they just genuinely feel good about their body from the inside out. Oh, absolutely. You hit on a couple of things. So the idea of predictability and inclusiveness. So not it shouldn't become a problem to say, hey, do you do we want Taco Tuesday and what does that look like? Or we're thinking about doing pasta bars or how about, you know, we usually love doing like brunch for lunch, sometimes really like just go wild and do like a breakfast for dinner. And kids get so excited about the opportunity but, you know, we've done that before and our daughter will make like high protein pancakes for supper. And she just thinks it's a wild, fun night because we're <laughs> allowing it to be like an upside down day or backwards day. But what we're, we're seeing is the engagement and, and again, being a part of the choice of what night is what night and what theme and what we could bring really begins to, you know, make the, you know, we always call the kitchen, the heart of the home or the heart of the school, you know, the energy around having positive dialogue and and togetherness around a mealtime is the heartbeat. You know, if the kitchen's the heart, that's the heartbeat. So we don't want to miss those opportunities by being too rushed. Um, Knowing, again, I'm a busy working person, that's not perfect, doesn't happen that way every day, but when it does, boy, it's magical. Um, And the other thing you you reached on is, you know, we call it in schools, work smarter, not harder. So you you roast your chicken. Yes, the first day is roasted chicken. The second day is a pulled chicken on taco. And the third day might be a chicken salad with fresh apples in it. And now you've done, you know, one time you've worked and you've created this really versatile staple on your menu that can extend over the course of several days. So it makes it very usable for families to do that same concept at home. And, you know, kind of getting back to the allergy and the picky eater, I think the worst thing that I've heard and seen is how sometimes how lonely someone with an allergy feels, especially a kiddo. You know, we grapple with that at schools. You want to keep kids safe, but to exclude kids from the normal activity um, that their family 
families do at night, which is so important to, to many families. Sometimes it's the only time we see each other. We're all like ships passing with all mm-hmm. our busy schedules. To be able to say, you know, we're going to do something that's inclusive of everybody, even if you have a medical need or an, an allergy or an attribute or something. You know, so for my daughter, Addison, she has a milk sensitivity. She started off with an allergy pretty bad when she was really little um, and has outgrown some of it, but still it bugs her stomach. So we as a family have talked about what does, what does that mean? You know, we don't do a lot of heavy cream sauces. You know, while my daughter, if we go out to a restaurant, my older daughter might order an Alfredo dish. We might steer away from that because we wouldn't want to make a separate dish and make her feel excluded from what the rest of the family is eating. Um, obviously, nowadays, there's so many options for non-dairy, so we're blessed. You know, we can do almond milk and different things. But, you know, you basically want that meal to feel inclusive, not exclusive, because we all know, you know, nourishing uh, has a lot to do not only with the physical part of that and how the nutrients digest and serve your body and, you know, create that shiny hair and that bright eye moment, <laughs> it, you know, it's emotional too. And emotional health around food is a big topic. You know, how people feel, you know, comfortable and mindful about using food for nourishment and not as, you know, I'm bored, I'm going to eat, or I'm sad, I'm going to eat, or I'm mad, I'm going to eat. It's more of, I'm using this as a, um, you know, a a tool to really be healthy and to feel my best and to be my best. Um, My daughter in the morning will give some examples for breakfast as a, as an idea of choice architecture. And she'll tell me, mom, I have a test this morning. So I think I want scrambled eggs and avocado. And then on a day where she's feeling kind of, you know, hey, I want a waffle this morning. Okay. You know, so again, not labeling foods like the best or the worst, but connecting that, oh, I need some good brain power and I'm Mm going to eat something a little more, you know, whatever, you know, and having those conversations. I love when she comes back to me with that, like, I'm going to have, you know, it's going to be a long day, mom, I need a little extra. Um, And so it's really, it, it makes that conversation a really good time as a mom to a daughter and as a parent to a child to really just impress the care and love and the nourishment part of the conversation and, and really use the meal time um, for not only physical nourishment, but emotional and, and mental in some cases. You know, I hope, hope that de-stresses her and she feels like she's got like some mighty secret power to do well on that test. And, and that's a good thing. You know, that's a good supportive role that nutrition plays. I think that's why I love and have had a career in nutrition. I am very passionate about it because I think it's just so much more than, you know, the my plate and what's on there. It's, it's a lot of components and and it serves and nourishes and um, it plays a big role in our lives. And, and as a parent, a huge role is how we model and, and, and raise our families. And boy, there's, again, I'm, my mind is just going, just thinking about you. And if people could see us in the studio, I'm like <laughs> nodding my head in agreement because I totally agree. And I'm not a psychologist either, but I did one time hear a psychologist who was talking about picky eating. He, um, she talked about the what we call the two bite tango, Mm -hmm. you know, don't sit there and go take two more bites or two more bites. I remember with Gabe, I even myself, like, you know, again, not perfect, even as a pediatrician. And I would be like, okay, you're six years old. You have to take six more bites, but there's a psychology there because unfortunately what happens is when we push our kids to eat more, eat more, then they associate that conflict around meals. So, I mean, the psychology around eating, I mean, just, it, there's so much to talk about here and, and, and that's one of them. So it was also interesting. So she said, don't go through that two bite tango. 
teach them to be good tasters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe just smell it the first time. Maybe you do just put your lips or your tongue on it and then and allow the kids to be able to do that, because obviously there's going to be a little bit of waste. And then, you know, over time, and like you said, it could be 21 times or 30 times that they really will then, okay, I'm going to I'm going to try this or I'm going to eat it. But what's fascinating is she also said, don't ask them, do you like it? She said, ask them, how did it make you feel? Hmm. And I think, too, like the example with your daughter, she felt empowered. Like, I'm going to eat these eggs and avocado because I know the protein and the healthy fat are going to, you know, keep me satisfied. It's brain food, you know, brain power. So it was a feeling that she had in, you know, choosing, like you said, choice, right? in choosing that meal. And maybe one day she wanted the waffles because she just needed a little bit, that warmth, Mm -hmm. that little bit of sweetness to start her day. And so I think if we could really teach our kids now to not just eat to nourish, but also know how do you feel when you eat certain foods? Because I'm sure there's a lot of kids out there this week who whose bellies don't feel too great if they ate too much candy, but (laughs) it is Halloween after all. But I'm just saying, like, if they understand that instead of going, well, it's because you ate too much candy and, you know, being all you could. That's an opportunity to say, you know what? Candy is fun and Halloween is great. But we you now have just told me, wow, when I do too too much of it. It doesn't make my tummy feel good. So that's something to think about the next time you decide you're going to eat. Maybe just have a couple pieces and save the rest for another day. And so there's lots of opportunity to teach kids instead of forcing them or, you know, or even giving up. You know, because sometimes I know parents just throw their hands in the air and they're just like, I just don't know what else to do. Yeah, I love that. So we do try days all the time in schools and and obviously it's to grow our menu and innovate. But when I do things at home and I'm trying new dishes, one of the things we use in school and I use at our table is um, a little catchphrase called don't yuck on my yum. So if I, if I think it's yummy and I'm asking you to just taste it, like taste it, you might not think it's the best thing, but I, I appreciate your willingness to be brave and adventurous. And I, I love that you're excited to, to give it a try. But if your initial reaction is, and this happens a lot in elementary schools, you know, they're, Ew, you know, yeah. they're gross, the gross faces. And then it, if somebody wasn't as adventurous to try it, they don't even want to try it, right? So we say that in our own house. I'll say, you know, mommy made this. I'd like for you to try it. And respectfully, if you don't like it, that's that's good. We end that conversation there. And then we might talk about the feelings or whatever else afterwards. Now I'm the mom that, you know, I I too am not perfect in any stretch of the means, but I'm not going to let dinner end. And then two minutes later, you tell me you're hungry for your Halloween candy. candy. (laughs) So I'm not- uh, And we're not saying that. Yeah. I'm not bamboozled either, but I, I think the idea of like that tasting. So if you are trying something and you have that choice architecture and you have all these choices on the table and you- physically have the opportunity for them to say, this is something new. Do you want to try a little bit of that? And they are willing to do that. That's going to grow that repertoire and it's going to grow it in a much more um, 
comfortable and, and mindful way than to have it be like, that's the only thing we're having for dinner. If you don't eat it, you know, that's it. You know, and not many of us do that. I remember sometimes my parents might've, God bless their, <laughs> my dad's soul. But you know, the idea is if there's other choices, you know, so you have a, a choice and in, in represent all of the great things, you know, a good source of a complex carb, a really good source of lean protein, have some veggies, have some fruit options, you know, have some calcium containing items. If you're dairy intolerant, there's ways to do that. You know, if you're, if you're trying, you know, like the other thing about planning days, it's really been kind of fun to grow in our house, meatless Mondays. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So like for, it used to be, you know, like we're pasta, we're manja Mondays, meatless Mondays. And so like a a portobello mushroom is such a rich source of fiber and protein. And it really does fit well on top of a pasta marinara. Everybody leaves the table happy. We have a salad kind of bar. So think about that. I like a salad with lots of things on it. My daughters maybe will pick some tomatoes and and cucumbers, but they don't want like cabbage or red onion or, you know, Mm -hmm. what kimchi or some wild stuff that I like. Uh, So we make our salad look like a little salad bar. And then we do an alternative protein. And then we've just grown our own family's repertoire of not always having a bolognese or having to have a meatball or something of that nature. And so there are ways to think about what your family's goals are. And if you have a picky eater or a child that has limitations due to other medical reasons to make that meal feel inclusive and still grow in different ways. Um, even if you're not all the time a vegetarian or a pescatarian or vegan or you know whatever, you can definitely still do something fun and grow as a family all together having a novel experience of trying something new you might not have. You know, not to say everybody's going to love tofu, but you know, hey, you could do a nice little, you know, rice bowl with some, you know, tofu and say, we're all trying it for the first time. This is kind of fun. So it's not always your kids trying it. And then I'll have to tell my husband, don't yonk on my yum. <laughs> when I say, oh, I like this tofu. And he goes, I don't know about tofu. But, you know, we we you, we grow together in our food exploration and, and accept that as a family. And it just feels really it feels like the right way. You know, I don't know all the right ways, but it feels like a really good way to address um, families that struggle with kids and and picky eaters and, and health issues and, and think they're limited to a real small set of recipes that, you know, doesn't bring them joy and gets redundant. And, you know, on the opposite of joy and at the heart of the kitchen becomes just something you have to do. You know, we, we love to have mealtime be a time of collective togetherness and conversation and, um, you know, just a, a really comforting time. Everybody wants to feel that way when they come home to eat. And, and we really hope that parents think that that food plays a role in that because we know it does. We, you, I know, you know, we look at it, we're like, yes, yes, we're nodding our heads like crazy. It really does. And so you can struggle over, hey, I got to do my piano lesson and I don't really want to, or, you know, pick your clothes off off the floor, but you really don't want mealtime to feel like that struggle. And this type of choice architecture and thinking about things a little differently pulls that struggle out of that time that should really feel comfortable and together and a time for conversation and and how was your day? You know, and, and all of the things we lo- would want a family meal to be and not a battle over what to eat or who's eating what, right? Absolutely. And one thing you can do as a family is if you know your child will eat a and you're, you know, trying different things, include A so that you know that you've included something that they like instead of they're looking at the counter of of this, you know, buffet, so to speak, and going, there's nothing here that I like, you know, and, and I think as parents, we've probably all heard that it's kind of like looking in your closet and saying, I don't have anything to wear, you know, Absolutely. so including things that you know, that they'll, they'll like, and they'll eat, and then encourage 
encouraging the rest. And believe it or not, it, it really does work. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. And I love when they get so involved in it and they start bringing you the idea. So the parents don't have to, you know, there are so many fun cooking with kids videos that are healthy. You know, my daughter loves like those silly little junior iron chef and chopped competitions. And so, you know, we have done this. She's nine now Mm -hmm. since she's can remember. And now she's watching these and coming to me like, Oh mom, I saw this. And it's been really cool. Um, that, and, you know, obviously we work in the nutrition business. So we, we were videoing some of our recipes and she's like, I want to be a taste tester for your recipes and she wanted to be on our YouTube channel on, on is it a good choice or a thumbs up or you know rating. It was really cute. So again, I think it grows her confidence in being um, autonomous. And here's the thing, at the end of the day, we raise our kids and then they go away, right? They go to college. And so if you are uh, that parent that's like, oh my gosh, I don't know what my kid's gonna eat when they go away to college because all they've done is this for me at home. As a parent, I think this helps you with that formational, uh, foundational knowledge that that you know you've raised, you know, give a, give a fish, they eat for a day, teach to fish, they eat for a lifetime kind of vibe. Oh, I love that. You know, it's like they, you've taught them the right way and they're going to, sure, they're going to go out and have pizza late night when college, you know, and it happens. But, um, you know, ideally you, you feel really confident that you've modeled a really great balance of what that looks like. And, and really now, obviously I have an older daughter as well, eating is social for older kids too. And and they like to go to places where they can taste and try different things. And, um, you know, I just think it's a really good, um, healthy relationship with what you started this session on, which is really looking at food as something that's nourishing and that could be positive and, and social and happy and, and really do what we know it needs to do in our bodies, but also on, in our minds. So I, I really love the idea of of thinking about it that way. I think it's, it's, um, it makes me feel like I picked the right path, right? <laughs> you absolutely did. And I'm, I'm very honored that I somehow crossed your path Aww. along the way. You know, the other thing that comes to mind about around eating is eating involves all the senses. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about you know, your kids going off and, you know, whether it's college or even beyond. I know for me, you know, if I eat a certain food, it takes me back Mm -hmm. to my home and sitting at that table and just the environment and the conversations and the love. And so that's really what we're trying. The meal doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to you know, we're obviously we're giving a lot of guidelines. And if you make one change, you know, just one change, I think you're on the right track. But you're creating memories mm-hmm. and they're not going to remember that toy that they had when they were 10, maybe if depending on what it is. <laughs> but they are going to remember the meals that you shared together, the, the taste, the smell, the touch, and what the sounds that they heard around the table, et cetera. And so I get goosebumps thinking about it because if, if you, it, you don't have to be a psychologist, you don't have to be a pediatrician or a nutritionist and, and dietitian. You just have to love your family and, you know, walk the walk as best as you can and just take it one day at a time. Absolutely. They call it chicken soup for the soul for a reason. You know, growing up, you know, anytime I was sick, um, every Sunday in the winter, our family would make a big pot of chicken noodle soup. And it was just a tradition. And that smell is 
you're right. It's the memory of something that cared for me, something that I could count on. You know, it was after we came home from church, the, the perfect, you know, lunch to have with having, you know, a cold winter day. And there's, it's more than just the nourishment of that lovely pot of, uh, my parents would call it Polish penicillin when you're yeah. saying, uh, but you know, it, it is, it, there's so much to connect um, and to really en- 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 embrace and celebrate around why it's important to make it a priority and how you can reap the benefits of that once you've established this type of uh, relationship in your home and, and you've modeled it, it. It really is a rewarding experience for sure. Well, I want to thank you again for for joining. I mean, you and I could sit here and oh. talk for an hour. <laughs> Maybe there's people out there that would listen for an hour, but I, I just want to thank you again. I love your energy. I love your passion around feeding our children from the young age all the way up. And I just can't thank you enough for even coming on the show. Any last words of wisdom before we sign out? You know, I just say, you know, choice matters, right? It matters for you and I as adults, and it certainly matters for our kids. And it's an easy, it's an easy win. So think about ways to incorporate that choice architecture, because I think you won't be disappointed and you'll have meal prep and lunches and happy kids. And and I, I think it's a really, um, you know, everybody wants to, to own some of their own autonomy and make decisions. So choice can be a really good thing. And you can make a lot of good, healthy choices available and, and it works. So, you know, I've lived it in, in my profession and in my home, and I hope it helps anyone who listens to us talk about it today. Cause, um, it really, it really is a blessing to have that be a part of the relationship I have with my girls and our family meals. So I hope it, it helps somebody. Thank you so much. And I love the expression, don't yuck on my yum. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna use that. Thank yeah. you again. And thank you everyone for listening. And don't forget to follow wherever you like to listen to your shows and let's grow up together. Mm-hmm.